to what end should you devote your life? And another question might be, well, does it matter? Matter is an interesting word, eh? Because matter is matter. But matter is also what matters. And I would say that what matters is more real than matter. At least that's how you act. And then the question is, well, is there something you should be aiming at? It's a good question. That's the question of the meaning of life. And you know, one of the things that's supposed to happen when you come to university is that that's the sort of question that should be addressed. And as far as I can tell, and this might just be my more cynical side, what I see happening to university students, generally speaking, is that they come in clinging to the wreckage of their culture and floating with the pieces and those pieces are taken away by professors who tell them that everything can be dis deconstructed and no, nothing has any real meaning and it's like when you're finally educated it's when you're floating out on the ocean and you've got nothing to stay afloat with it's like well then you're, you're done and you can graduate and it's like I don't see that as useful quite the contrary in some sense you have a map that you're operating within in the world and that map is predicated on assumptions of different sorts some shallow some profound when the profound assumptions are devastated huge chunks of the map are invalidated and that can happen sometimes when dramatically positive things happen as well so but the fundamental rule is the more of your axiomatic presuppositions are disrupted the harder it is on you you know like maybe you quit your job because you won the lottery it's like hey I'm off to the beach I'm gonna drink margaritas it's like that'll work for about four days you know you do that for three months you're a, you're a beach alcoholic it's like that's a real improvement you know so it's not that easy and often too if you take people out of their routine you know they just flounder their circadian rhythms go they don't eat properly they don't know what the hell to do you know so this is often why people have such a hard time when they retire I'm going to retire and relax it's like if I relaxed for two weeks I would die you know I, I need something to do I need to be engaged in something there is a problem of what the world is made out of but there's a bigger problem and that's the problem of how you should conduct yourself in the world and that's really what you want to know people want to know that more than anything because you need to know it's like here you guys are in university it's like you don't know what you're doing I mean some of you know more than others but you're at the beginning of your life and life is very complex and chaotic and it isn't exactly obvious you know how what kind of relationship you should form or what sort of character you should develop or what you're going to do for a job or how what's the meaning of life that's a good one what's the meaning of life well and you know people come to university at least many of them and that's kind of what they want to find out now Paglia, her notion is that, you could think about it this way, is that articulated knowledge is embedded in inarticulate knowledge. And inarticulate knowledge is the domain of literature and art and, and high culture, let's say. And it's, we sort of know what it means. 
but we don't exactly know what it means it means more than we know and then outside of that is what we don't know at all and that's an idea that Jung developed as well and maybe Paglia picked it up from Jung because Jung believed that you know, there was this domain that we had mastered in, in every domain and then there, were, there was a domain outside of that which you could think of as unexplored territory and the, what we met unexplored territory with was our creative imagination and that what we were trying to do with our creative imagination is to figure out how to deal with that unexplored territory we were producing dramas that we could act out that would help us deal with what we still hadn't mastered and then outside of that there's just what we don't know at all and Paglia's idea, and this was Jung's idea was that without understanding that surround you're too atomized you're not part of your historical tradition you haven't incorporated the spirit of your ancestors who built all this you're, you're just here now and, and you don't know what to do either and you don't know how to maintain your culture and you don't know how to serve it and you know, you might say, well why should you serve your culture and, well I have a hypothesis about that you know, you can think about this, I don't know if it's true but people ask what the meaning of life is and it seems to me that meaning is proportionate to the adoption of responsibility you know, like, let's say you have a little sister who's like three and you're going to take care of her like, questioning whether that's a good idea just seems stupid you know what I mean, it just doesn't seem like the right kind of question it's like, well, obviously, self-evidently, let's say, that's what you do and do you find it meaningful? It's like, probably, you know, interacting with a little kid when, when we, when I had little kids, you know, when they were like two or under we took them out to see their relatives and they were older people and you know, they watched that two-year-old like, like it was a fire you know, every second that that little kid was in the room every single adult was focused on, focused on, on him or her that's something that people attend to and that's a source of meaning and what else is meaningful? well, your family relationships are meaningful to you and maybe the responsibility that you adopt as, as a friend, that, that seems meaningful maybe your decision to pursue a particular career and be of some utility in society you know, part of that's governed by your desire to establish some security and get ahead, it's fine, but you're also playing an integral role in the maintenance of the structure that supports you and my observation has been that in my clinical practice is that people just have a hell of a time if they don't have if they don't slot in somewhere, you know you know, you think, oh, I gotta go to work at 9 in the morning and you know, I've got this rigid schedule, it's like it's probably a good idea to be grateful for that because what I've noticed is that if people pull out from those externally scaffolded systems they drift, they get depressed, they get anxious they don't know what to do with themselves you know, they're kind of like sled dogs with no sled and we're kind of like sled dogs as far as I can tell, beasts of burden like we need a load, man, we need a load 
And the question is, what, what sort of load do you need? And here's why I think we need, we need that. You know, there's, I've been thinking about how to figure out what's real for a long time. And because I'm an existentialist, I'm operating under the presupposition that you can tell what people believe by watching what they, how they act. I don't care what they say. I don't care what their statements are about their view of reality. Because the correlation, the relationship between that and their actual actions is not, certainly not perfect and sometimes doesn't even exist. One thing I've noticed is that people, no one argues with their own pain. Everyone who hurts acts as if they believe that pain is real. So we could say, the ultimate reality is pain. That's how people act. It's in keeping with the claims of many religious traditions, you know. The Jews are always recollecting past pain. I mean, the Christian God is a crucified person. I mean, there's a fair bit of pain there. For the Buddhists, the fundamental maxim is that life is suffering. And it seems to me that there's a metaphysical claim there. The metaphysical claim is that pain is real. Now, of course, it depends on what you mean by real. But people act as if their pain is real. So that's a good place to start. Now, that poses a problem. Life is a pain. Life is suffering, let's say. And why is that? Well, it's because you can be broken, hurt, and destroyed. And so, that seems pretty self-evident, and worse, you know it. And that makes people unique, like, that's our self-consciousness, right? That's really what separates us, in some sense, from other creatures. I mean, other creatures have some self-consciousness, like a chimp can learn to recognize itself in a mirror, and so can a dolphin, but, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty bare-bones self-consciousness, you know? Real self-consciousness is the knowledge of your borders. And not only in space, but in time. And as far as I can tell, human beings are the only creatures that have discovered the future. And that's really good, because we can plan for the future, but it's really bad, because, you know, the future's finite, and that's, like, that's a big shock to the old system. And it's the existential burden that everyone bears, and it's associated integrally with suffering. And so then you think, well, life is suffering, and, and it's finite, and that's part of the suffering. That's part of what you makes you question the value of existing, and maybe the value of existence itself. So then what do you have to use as a weapon against that? Well, you know, we talked a little bit about responsibility. That seems to work, you know. The, the amount of responsibility that you adopt with, in relationship to things seems to increase your meaningful engagement. And you might say, well, what's the most meaningfully engaged activity? And you might say, well, how about a little reduction in the old suffering? You know, so you live your life so that 
you're not causing undue pain, especially pointless pain, that would be good, and maybe you could even be more useful than that, and you could figure out some ways that some suffering, yours, other people's, both, if you're really, you know, hitting a home run, maybe you can figure out some way that some of that could be rectified, and that seems to be meaningful in and of itself, I mean, if it's pain that makes you doubt the meaning of life, which is perfectly reasonable, then the cessation of pain, the cessation of suffering, the minimization of suffering, as a logical corollary, should be the proper medication. And so I would say that means that there's some mode that you can conduct yourself in that makes you a good person. And part of being a good person is to alleviate suffering. The first thing I'm going to propose to you, and we'll talk about this a lot, is that you inhabit a story. That the framework through which you look at the world is actually a story. And here's the story. The story is, you're somewhere, and you're going somewhere. And you know, that can be conceptual or whatever. It's that, but there's a gradient between where you are and what, where you're aiming at, which means no more really than you're doing something while you're sitting there. And hypothetically, you're aiming for something better. And so, you're in a state of insufficiency, always the, the insufficiencies change and then you're trying to rectify the insufficiency and you presume that your current state is less preferable to the state that you're aiming at and then the way that you bring those two together is sometimes you can do it through thinking but fundamentally you do it through action you do it through acting in the world and so that's sort of that's sort of the answer, in some sense, to the mind-body problem You have a conceptual structure, but when you implement it, you're, you're implementing it not abstractly You're implementing it through action, and so that's, that's the basic story It's not a very interesting story, but it's the framework through which you view the world So it's a value-laden framework um, Otherwise you wouldn't be able to act and you wouldn't know what to look at So it's a value-laden framework you look at the world through a value-laden framework So then we might say, well, what is the optimal value-laden framework? That's what we're going to try to figure out Whatever you might say about the un underlying metaphysics It's not true the way science is true And that could be okay, because there might be more than one form of truth In fact, I think there is um, I think there's pragmatic truth And I think pragmatic truth is actually deeper than scientific truth and pragmatic truth is the truths that enable you to act in a manner that best that improves the probability, roughly speaking, of your existence and your reproduction maximally 